Hello, everyone. We're back here for another episode of Beyond the Whistle podcast. It's episode 21. I'm Don Pescatore, as you guys know, joined by Ian Nichols. And our guest today is Jake Asman. He's been everywhere from Brazil to California to New York. And now he resides in Houston, where he hosts the Jake Asman Show on SB Nation Radio from 11 to 1 p.m. Jake, thank you for joining us today. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the introduction and, you know, I'm excited to be on with you. So the question that we have to start off with, sadly, with all our guests uh, at this time is, how are you doing during this pandemic? Are you keeping busy? How are you doing? Yeah, luckily, you know, where I am in Houston, um, our, our situation's a lot better than, than other parts of the country. You know, being, you know, growing up on Long Island and being from New York, of course, I, I know how bad it's been in the area you guys are in, you know, the, the tri-state. But luckily for us, I mean, there were certainly, you know, cases of it. We were on a shutdown like everywhere else in the country, but Houston and the state of Texas as a whole started reopening May 1st. So we're slowly but surely getting towards normalcy. You know, restaurants have been open now for a while. Bars are back up and, and running. And, you know, people are still being socially distant. You know, if you go to the supermarket, you're still going to see people wearing masks and whatnot. But, you know, slowly but surely things are, are, are getting normal again. And, you know, it's kind of starting to feel like we're going to have a real summer. And here in Houston, that means death because it is just the, the most insane heat I've ever dealt with in my life. But um, I, I'm certainly looking forward to you know, just being able to be outside and see my friends and be able to like live life normal after being in lockdown for so long. Absolutely. Yeah. Life is not normal as we know it. And we like to start off at childhood with all our guests. You talked about how you grew up in Long Island, New York. So what got you into sports? Were you a Yankees guy, a Mets guy? Diehard Yankees fan. Um, I can thank my uncle for that because I'm also a diehard Jets fan, but my dad doesn't like baseball, but he did love football. Joe Namath was his hero. So I very easily could have been, you know, the typical Jet Met fan and my life would have been miserable. Uh, you know, at least I have the Yankees is what I always go back on because I'm also a Nick fan. I'm an Islander fan. The Islanders have been better, but growing up, it wasn't exactly like they were this great hockey team. They've been bad for a while. And, you know, the Knicks have been terrible my entire life. So that's, that's basically it. So I always say, you know, thank God for the Yankees. But I was a huge sports fan growing up. I grew up on Syosset, uh, in Syosset on Long Island. Um, I was always, you know, watching sports, but I always loved the broadcasters. Like, I was a huge sports talk radio junkie. Every day I'd come up from school. First thing I'd do, I'd flip on, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog. And I'd listen to the Michael K show. And, you know, Joe and Evan it were my favorite show on WFN growing up. You know, I went to school driving in, listening to Boomer and Carton. So, like, sports radio was my life. And I also loved you know, the play-by-play broadcasters for all my favorite team. And you guys know this, you know, being in Connecticut, we're blessed in the tri-state area with how good the broadcasters are. It's not like that in other areas. When you have Mike Breen, the voice of the Knicks, who's also doing the NBA Finals, you have Michael Kay doing the Yankees, Garrett Cohen doing the Mets. I mean, you look at what the Islanders and the Rangers have, whether it be Howie Rose or now um, obviously going to Brendan Burke, who is an Ithaca College alum, by the way. I want to throw that out. I love Brendan. And just, you know, the, just the talent we have in the New York area, it was like you were spoiled. And then you know, that kind of forced me to, like, look into, well, how do you go about being a broadcaster? And, you know, luckily, Syosset High School actually had a radio station. So since I've been in ninth grade, I've had the opportunity to do a sports talk show. It was once a week. Nobody heard it besides my mom and dad. It was on WKWZ 88.5. But that experience, you know, I fell in love right away because I had that experience. So I knew it, eventually when I went to Ithaca College for four years that I wanted to pursue, a, uh, you know, a broadcasting career. So growing up, I always had that sports bug. Love the broadcasters, love sports talk radio. And then, you know, getting the chance to, you know, get that exposure in high school, it was a ninth grader. That really kind of pushed me forward knowing what I wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter at the high school level how many views you're getting. I mean, look, it is great to get that kind of recognition, but the reps are definitely the most important part of the process for you to have heading into Ithaca. 
So you went to Ithaca, you majored in radio and television, and you had a minor in sports studies. So you were really all in on the sports broadcasting aspect. So when you were at Ithaca, what were some of your skills that you needed growing heading into college? And how did Ithaca supply you with the tools or the teaching to get you to where you wanted to be? Well, Ian, I will say this. You were very well trained because that is the biggest thing I always tell young broadcasters. It does not matter who hears your show. You, the fact you're doing a show is all that matters. Nobody heard anything I did in high school, even college. It was my friends and family. It doesn't matter. Even sometimes I feel like when I'm doing a radio show now, I have a great segment. Sometimes the audience doesn't react to it. I'm like, did anyone even hear that? I thought that was good. So it's never about who's listening. It's all about the reps. You, you definitely have that down. And so that's very well said. But I think it gave me the opportunity you know, to get exposure right away, get experience. You know, my second week on campus, I was already assigned you know, to do a sports update on one of the two radio stations I had there. I'm already doing updates as a freshman. I don't even know my way around the, the campus yet, and I'm already on the radio. So that's what I always tell people about Ithaca. You know, if you're passionate about something in broadcasting, there's resources there where you can explore that passion. So there's two college radio stations. There's uh, a TV station. There's a very successful school newspaper there. And, you know, I got my feet wet right away and started to contribute to everything and then kind of honed in on, you know, doing play-by-play. Did that for a few years for the Ithaca College football team and obviously doing uh, sports talk when I was in college. I started a a radio show with um, my friend Dan Budick, who actually I went to high school with. So he transferred into Ithaca after my uh, freshman year. So it was kind of like a reunion of sorts. He he went to Temple, didn't like it. He left Temple, wanted, wanted to go to Ithaca. He was into broadcasting as well. So, you know, we started a radio show and got a chance to just do it for experience and you know, yeah, people tuned in and whatnot, but it's not like we're getting millions of listeners, but um, it was, it was awesome just to get that experience, get that exposure. And, and, you know, I always tell people, you know, your college reps, they count, you know, what you guys are doing now still in high school, not even going into college that, that matters. You know, when you get out, get out into the quote unquote real world and employers are asking for, you know, several years of experience. I, I always like to say, if, you know, if you use your college, opportunity and, and you guys are doing it even earlier in high school you're going to be so far ahead of the game so you know from WKWZ on you know in Syosset to what I was able to do for four years at Ithaca I felt like coming out of you know college like I was in great shape because I worked hard and I took advantage of the opportunity. So we know how big the college decision process is I thankfully went through it and Ian's going to go through it next year so our question is this you grow up on Long Island you go to upstate New York and Ithaca was Ithaca always the number one choice or were some other schools in the running? Yeah, there were definitely some other schools. It, it came down to a financial decision. So I got into Syracuse, but I did not get into Newhouse. And that was, that was going to be my goal. So it came down to, well, if I go to Syracuse, do I go in and then try and transfer? And then, you know, how difficult would that be? Well, I'm sure if Syracuse is a big, like, fraternity school, I'm going to have to, like, try and balance. Do I want to rush a frat while trying to do all this? So it was just complicated. Plus, it's also so expensive. And, and Ithaca is, too. It's a private school. But Financial aid wise, Ithaca came through with way more money to a point where it just it was stupid if I didn't go to Ithaca because A, I really liked the campus when I got a chance to visit. I knew it had a really good broadcasting program and just it just made a lot of sense. So I was down between Ithaca, Syracuse, um, where, where else? I don't even remember. It's been so long ago, which is sad. Hofstra, I think, Quinnipiac, we're not too far from where you guys are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was basically it. But I, I, I kind of wanted to go to Ithaca all along. It was either Ithaca or Syracuse. It came down to money. It came down to, hey, I'm already in the park school communications at Ithaca. Why, why do anything else? So I went to Ithaca, and I definitely uh, – actually, I'm wearing an Ithaca shirt right now. I don't regret the, uh, the four years there. It was awesome. You know, some of my best friends I made, you know, I went to school with that I stay in touch, stay in touch with to this day. So uh, it certainly worked out for sure. 
So coming out of Ithaca, where you had a great run there, your first real break still was in New York. You worked as an Eyewitness, Eyewitness News WABC-TV as a sports department intern. But then you've had jobs, really, as Dylan mentioned off the top, all around. You've worked on The Herd out in L.A. You've worked down at the Olympics in 2016, working with some of the best broadcasters in the industry. Mike Tirico, Dan Patrick, and Bob Costas were all down there. Uh, so how did, when did you know, as a sports broadcaster, when you were going here, there, and now you're in Houston, when did you know that this was going to be a job where you might not find your footing in one place and travel was really going to be one of the biggest pressures for you? Right. I think you kind of learned that right away. I mean, you know, nobody gets to kind of start in New York City, you know, being on WFAN doing a talk show, right? You got to work your way to that and you got to, you got to get reps, you got to get experience. So, you know, it, luckily, one of the great benefits of Ithaca College was, you know, the opportunities to get some internships. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, you mentioned the opportunity at Fox Sports Radio, and I got a chance to, you know, work on Colin Cowherd. So the herd, as you talked about, you know, that was because Ithaca College had a satellite campus in Los Angeles, where you spend a semester instead of studying abroad and going to, you know, Barcelona or going to Italy, wherever people are going, if the guy's a campus in LA. So people study uh, what, basically, they go to LA, you take a couple classes out there at a satellite, like office building campus, and they mm -hmm. put you up in apartment buildings right across the street from where that building is. And your tuition pays rent, essentially, and you get to live in LA. And part of the requirement of living in LA and doing this program is that while you're there, you have to get an internship. So because I was living in LA, I applied for an internship at Fox Sports Radio. And I was able to land that opportunity. You know, you mentioned the Olympic opportunity. That was just applying and going through an interview process and being fortunate that I was picked. So I, I was all about just getting experience. I had TV internships. I had radio internships. I was open to whatever would look good on the resume and obviously provide experience and, you know, build relationships with people um, that are in the industry. So I think you kind of realized early on, yeah, you're going to have to move. But, you know, when you're kind of young, you can move. When you don't have a family, you don't have kids, this is the time where you can get that experience. And if you're serious about working in sports media, you know, chances are you got to be willing to make very little money early on, but, you know, grind your way and, and be willing to move and sacrifice and, and put the time in. And that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah. Let's dig deeper into that Brazil experience. I mean, you're going to a whole different country, working on the Olympics, the most watched sports, really any programming of the world every four, two, four years, uh, depending on winter and summer. What was the biggest takeaway you had from that experience in Brazil? It was so much fun. In hindsight, you know, I, I guess, you know, just kind of thinking back on it, the fact that it's coming up on now four years, it's just crazy to me. I mean, I was there for for almost six weeks. We got there as they were still setting everything up. And there were people that had been there for months that are planning everything and getting the NBC sets ready. I mean, it, it takes an absolute army to get it together. But to actually be there, you know, the weeks leading up to the Olympics and then being there for, you know, the opening ceremonies and seeing, you know, Michael Phelps win a gold medal or Usain Bolt run or Team USA basketball and, you know, just kind of getting that experience as an intern and then knowing I still had my senior year of college to look forward to, you know, the next year. It was so much fun. And, you know, I got a chance to get hands-on experience. That was the biggest thing. You know, you mentioned some of the broadcasters that were there. I mean, I was an intern. I got to ask them questions. They saw that I was interested in being an on-air talent. So, I, you know, I got one-on-one -on -one coaching advice from Dan Patrick. Liam McHugh is one of my favorite people in the entire industry. He is one of the nicest guys. He, he pulled me aside, and I always was assigned on his nighttime shift. So mm -hmm. he kind of made me his guy, like, because the other interns maybe didn't want to be on-air personalities. But Liam knew I was serious about it. So, you know, he took time to show me why he was doing certain things or explain certain things to me. And uh, it meant a lot. And that's definitely, you know, an experience I'll never forget. But I will say this, by the time it was time to go home back to the U.S., I was so excited because I was exhausted. We're working 12-hour shifts. And, you know, you're ready to eat American food once again and, and get back to college. So 
I'll never forget the, um, the day that I was flying back from Brazil was already the first day of classes at Ithaca College. So I had to email wow. all my professors, hey, sorry, at the Olympics, I'm going to miss <laughs> the first day of school. And if you guys remember Ryan Lochte and that whole situation with the, the gas station, I'll never forget one of my professors writes back, all right, Jake, no problem. Just don't be peeing on any gas stations. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you like it did to Ryan. So, uh, you know, it was just surreal that all my friends were already at college, you know, senior year, everyone's there the week before. And you now here I am in the, you know, in Rio waiting to get back you know, to the United States and get back to Ithaca, New York of all places. But it was an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad that I got to go. And you know, obviously uh, it's, had a huge impact on my career for sure. I mean, that definitely seems like a surreal and amazing experience, like you said. And another experience that you've been able to do, which to me sounds really great, is you've worked Radio Row at the Super Bowl numerous times, if I'm not mistaken. What's that like? And who are some of the people that you got to meet, got to interview, that left an impact on you? And how, how did that all go down? Yeah, Radio Row is, to me, I mean, that's like a sports that, that was my dream as a kid to do a radio show from Radio Row. I don't know why. I just remember I'd listen to Mike and the Mad Dog. I'd listen to the Michael K show and they would be at Radio Row. I would love it. I'm like, I'm like, this is like, if you're in broadcasting, it's like a euphoria of like every sports radio and TV person just gathering, doing interviews, like hanging out. I just was always in love with the idea of it. So to get a chance to do it now multiple times, I've been the last four years, lucky enough. And wow. each time has been so different. The first time we did it, I was still in college. So that's another reason why, you know, go Ithaca Bombers. I mean, the dean of the communication school made it possible, provided the funding for us to do our radio show at the site of the Super Bowl, which at that time is actually here in Houston. So that was my first ever time in Houston. So, you know, to, to get that experience as a college broadcaster was amazing. To get the experience the following year when, you know, I kind of schemed my own way into the Mall of America with an internet radio show I was doing on Long Island when I, I first got out of school. And then the last two years doing it in Atlanta and Miami with SB Nation Radio, each time has been a little different, but the guests have been better each time because you build up relationships. Uh, you know, SB Nation Radio is a national platform. Yep. So, you know, the PR people that handle all these guests, they want to reach out to try and get their client on as big of an audience reach as possible. But, you know, I'll never forget interviewing Joe Buck and getting 10 minutes with him off to the side when I was in college. Like, we went to a Fox Media availability and we went up to Joe Buck afterwards and just introduced ourselves and said, hey, we're huge fans of yours. We're we're seniors at Ithaca College, and we wanted to see if you had any time to do an interview. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, guys, I can't go anywhere near Radio Row because I'll just get swarmed with all these requests, and I don't want to turn anyone down. But for you guys, happy to do it. Let's, let's go somewhere off to the side, and we'll knock this out. So his agent scheduled a time for us to meet him, like, like the, the back alley of Radio Row in this giant convention center. And we got to interview him, and he did like three interviews the whole week. It was us, the Asman and Budic Show, uh, the Michael K. Show, and Howard Stern. So it was just surreal. I always tell that story. Um, from 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 you know Ithaca's Radio Row. I mean, over the years, I've interviewed the Backstreet Boys. I had little Nas X on the show. It's not even just like sports figures that are there, you know, promoting a product in exchange for an interview. I mean, MC Hammer came on the show this past year. Martha Stewart. These are just like the non-sports people, but like actual sports people, whether it be Cam Newton or Von Miller or Jarvis Landry or Troy Palomalo. I'm a diehard Jets fan. Last year, Jamal Adams did 20 minutes with me. I was the only Jet fan that he did an interview with the whole day. So, like, he loved it. He sent a personal message to my dad afterwards that I asked him to do. So, like, the experience I've been able to have over the last four years, they've all been different, but it's just been so great to be in that environment, get that interview, um, get, get those interview reps and produce great content. And Radio Row a lot of times produces awesome content with the, with the guests that you get on. Mm -hmm. So after you go to college and you're moving out and you're starting to go into that real world that you talked about, you get a job at WFAN, 
one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, sports radio markets really in the country. I mean, it's Michael K's show on Yes and 98.7 ESPN. And then you got WFAN, you know, that rivalry. And you get a job uh, behind the scenes, you know, work with the on-air hosts, also screening phone calls. How is that? You're going from, you're at home at Long Island, then you're going to Ithaca. Now you're back where you were, the station that you were listening as a kid. It was surreal. I mean, I was only there eight months. I was part-time. I barely worked, worked 15 hours a week, if that. I mean, it would change. They had so many part-time people when I was there. But just to be in that building, 345 Hudson Street, and I, you know, I, you listen to FAN, you hear about it all the time. And you hear about the, the behind-the-scenes people that the host reference. And to actually, like, meet all these people and be, like, a quote-unquote co-worker with them, it was cool. I mean, I got to, you know, work at the fan, and, and I was doing a lot of audio editing that you would hear on, like, the 2020 update. That'd be, like, an intern or – It'd be like one of the part-timers cutting up that clip that, you know, Bob Huesler or Jerry Recco would play. But it was really cool. And, and, you know, what was great about the fan was in the same building as CBS Sports Radio. So you have a national network that is, you know, having all these shows that come out of, the, you know, a studio next to FAN. doesn't air in New York, but Damon Amendolara is there. And, you know, Jim Rohn's show originates on CBS Sports Radio. Brandon Tierney and, um, and Tiki Barber do their show on CBS sports radio. So I got to meet all these guys and build those relationships and, you know, get a hands-on experience on, you know, on national network, CBS sports radio. And then obviously, I mean, the fans, the fan, I mean, the first time I got to, you know, do a board op shift and, you know, work Evan Roberts Saturday show, or got to work with, you know, John Dostremski doing an overnight or, you know, lucky enough, I got to work with Tony page before he retired. So, you know, those experiences were awesome. I, I'll never forget the first time I got to actually say something on the fan when I think it was Tony page. He went to me, and just asked how I was doing. Like I was like the new producer for the night and just like, ah, we got Jake Asman behind the glass and just hearing like insert name behind the glass. You hear that forever growing up. So that was surreal. And um, it was funny. Evan Roberts uh, was like talking about, oh, we got another redhead here. And he talked about it on the show. And I had told him off air that my friends growing up would call me Evan Roberts because I'm a redhead that wanted to yep. you know, go to the sports talk. So like little things like that. It's just like those, like those stories from that experience. I was only there eight months because luckily I got a job. Uh, down here in Houston with SB Nation Radio, but it was an amazing eight months and, and allowed me to get a ton of experience. Well, that's a great segue to your work in Houston, where you've been for the last two so, two so years employed by Gal Media, and you have your own show from 9 to 11 a.m. What were your major goals hosting your first show? What were some of the things heading in that you knew you wanted to nail off the top and some of your aspirations for your new show? So I was just waiting for an opportunity to do a daily show. So the show I do right now that you mentioned is on from 9 to 11 Eastern time. That, that show um, like is not the show that I was doing when I first got brought down. When they first hired me July of 2018, they hired me to be a fill-in host if any of the regular SB Nation talent were on vacation or sick. I'd fill in during the week. And then I had a set show on Saturday and Sunday. So I was doing weekends and I was kind of trying to grind my way to getting like a, you know, a Monday through Friday day part show. And that took... Um, you know, about a year. And then I got moved to afternoons with uh, uh, with one of my really good friends in this business, um, my former co-host named Cody Stutes. And we did afternoons together from four to eight Eastern for about seven months. And then unfortunately, due to the pandemic and everything happening, you know, there were a lot of changes that were made and cutbacks. And, you know, that's why that show ended. And I got moved uh, to the morning show slot now, nine mm -hmm. to 11. So um, it was kind of a, like a uh, a grind to get to a point where it went from I'm the filling guy and a weekend guy to all right, we trust Jake here. Here's your show. You know, do what you want with it, make it work. So um, I, I moved down to, to get reps and get on the radio. And I know a lot of people have to start in way smaller markets than Houston. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity for sure. And it's been almost two years now, which is hard to believe. 
Speaking of how big a market Houston is, I mean, you have such great teams there. You have the Astros, you have the Texans over there, and you have the Rockets. I mean, three playoff-like teams. And you're covering a city now where you're covering three teams. It's almost like a WFAN host uh, situation. You're not covering just Ithaca sports, something like that. How has that changed? Yeah, it's so different. I mean, you know, the, the, you talk about D3 athletics you're breaking down on the radio and Ithaca to like, you know, I'm talking to J.J. Watt about his wedding or like I'm, you know, going up to James Harden and trying to get audio after a Rockets game. What's really cool about the position that, you know, I have right now with Gal Media that you mentioned. So Gal Media owns SB Nation Radio and they also own uh, ESPN 97.5, which is basically the local ESPN affiliate here in Houston. Like in New York, you guys know 98.7 that, you know, Michael K shows on as an example. Here we have ESPN 97.5. I get them confused all the time because I, you know, still watch K show and then I work for 97.5. So it's a tongue twister. Anyhow, um, since Gal Media owns both those stations, what I've been able to do in addition to doing my daily show, which is national on SB Nation, is I've gotten a chance to fill in on the local side. So that's like heavy. We're talking Astros. We're talking Texans. talking Rockets. And I've also reported on games for that station, get audio, you know, you know, go to practice, get quotes from Bill O'Brien and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or J.J. Watt and send that into the studio so they could use on their shows or updates. So it's kind of been the, the best of both worlds, getting a localized experience and then obviously doing a show every day that's heard in markets around the country. That's a national show where I'm not going to you know, hyper focus on just the Texans. We're going to talk about whatever's going on in the world of sports. So not just with your sports coverage of obviously the NFL, NBA, baseball teams, the MLB that you need to cover, but interviewing is obviously a massive skill. And on air, recently you've had some big names, Brian Baldinger, Barry Melrose, one of your favorite Jets, Nick Mangold is, came on for, yes. uh, again for you. So when you're doing these interviews, what is the process like? How much prep work do you put in roughly? And what are some of the things that you want to come across as, as an interviewer and your goals there? I think the key to a really solid interview is definitely you want to be prepped, but I don't think you want to be too overprepared. I think you want to be a good listener. I mean, you guys have heard this, I'm sure, a million times, but it's so true. I mean, if a guest says something interesting, you want to be able to quickly follow up on it, right? You want to be able to get, get more out of that answer. So I always go into every interview with an idea of what I want to talk to the guest about. You know, you mentioned Nick Mangold. He came on the show this morning. So you know, I was going to ask him about Brady leaving the division. Like, how badly do you miss? Do you wish that he would have left when you were still playing? And, you know, he played his whole career with the Jets. Why was that so important to him? But you never know what the guest is going to say. Like, Nick Mangold ended up telling me that he's this huge Star Wars fan. We got into a couple of minutes talking about his love of Star Wars. Like, I didn't know going in I was going to talk to Nick Mangold about his love of Star Wars. But it's funny to hear, you know, uh, an all-pro center talk about his love of, like, you know, a children's phenomenon that we all love in Star Wars. So, you know, so you never really know what you're going to get in every interview. You want to be prepared. I don't think you want to be too structured though. And you want to ask, you know, free flowing questions. I don't think you ever want to ask like a, a quick yes or no question. You want to ask a, a question open-ended that way, you know, the guest can elaborate on what you're asking. So I, I always just try to be conversational back and forth. You know, when you're doing a radio interview, you got to reset a couple times every few questions because there's, new listeners tuning in, someone in their car might not have heard the first four minutes of the interview, doesn't recognize the voice of who you're interviewing. So there's some like basic skills to it, but I think you want to be conversational and you just want to be entertaining. Like, you know, you could have so-and-so on and it could be boring, but like, I think you want to be energetic. You want to try and get something unique out of the guests that the listener in their car probably didn't know unless they were hearing your show. So I know that you interviewed Barry Melrose. I listened to that yesterday. It was a really good interview. And um, so- yeah. Houston is not known for hockey. You know, they had a hockey team back in the day, and now they don't have it now. How is it like covering all four sports rather than just focusing on the top three? 
Yeah, so for me, it was easy just because I'm, I'm a hockey fan, you know, and the show I do is a national show. So even though Houston doesn't have a, a hockey team, that's okay. I'm, you know, people care about the NHL coming back in a few weeks. So I had Brendan Burke on actually from the Islanders a couple mm-hmm. weeks back as well, once the NHL announced their plan. So, you know, it's nice that I wish Houston had a hockey team. So locally I could be like the quote unquote hockey guy because I, I, I'm not even like that knowledgeable on hockey compared to like real hockey diehards. But I know I'd be easily the most knowledgeable hockey talker in the city of Houston because nobody talks about it because they don't have a team. So I wish Houston would get a hockey team on a side note. But someone like Barry Melrose, he was great to have on because, A, he's you know a huge name. When you think ESPN hockey coverage, usually you'll think of him and Steve Levy in the Levy Lounge talking hockey. And the opportunity to get Barry on was, was really cool because it was topical because just the days prior to that, Max Kellerman came on first take and said, oh, nobody cares about hockey. So let's get the main hockey guy at ESPN to respond to that. And I saw it got picked up in uh, one of the news outlets that covers sports radio, the, the quote from you know, Barry responding to my question. So that's kind of another thing I like to do in interviews. Like you're going to have a guest on that maybe could react to something that's topical that's going on. All of a sudden they say something in response. Maybe it gets picked up and it brings some, uh, you know, some newsworthy attention to your show. So that was great just to have Barry on for that. And obviously, I mean, he's awesome. Who doesn't love Barry Merrows? So, I mean, you really are lucky to be in Houston when you think about it. You look at these teams, and not only are they awesome teams to cover, but there's so much news recently. I mean, the Texans getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. You had the Rockets trading for Russell Westbrook last year, making their run. And the Astros, there's so much good and bad news about them. There's so much to cover there. It's like you can never run out of content. But then when this pandemic struck with the coronavirus, how did you have to switch your tone and switch your mentality day in, day out when there was really a lack of news? And how did that really affect you? How much of a challenge was that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, I mean, it's just crazy thinking about like all the new, all the news that the Houston related sports teams have been involved with, you know, since I moved down here, I mean, the Astros played in the world series this past year. And then you have the cheating scandal. Even before that, they were really good in 2018. Texans have been in the playoffs the last two years. They have a franchise quarterback everyone loves they have one of the most recognizable athletes on the planet in jj watt and then obviously you look at the rockets they have the beard and they have russell westbrook and before that i had chris paul so i've been very lucky with you know when i do local radio having a lot to to dive into there when the pandemic happened i think depending on the show you're doing you adjust locally you're probably talking a lot more about how the pandemic is specifically hitting houston when i was doing a show nationally during the pandemic it was more like, all right, well, when are we going to start to see, you know, some sports leagues come back? You know, what's the latest, you know, nationally? What are people saying about, you know, different leagues and how it's going to impact, you know, individualized sports? Oh, UFC is coming back. Can they pull that off? Uh, golf without spectators. So when you're doing a local show, you're, you're hyper-focused on, like, you know, just the people in your community. But when I'm doing a nationally syndicated show, I can't just talk about how, you know, people in Houston are worried that like the Houston rodeo is going to be canceled. You know what I mean? It wouldn't play well nationally. So it's two different types of perspectives when you talk about how the pandemic has impacted uh, sports talk radio. It's so interesting to see, you know, I'm, I'm turning on my radio and I get to hear on the fan, them talking about the protests and all this national news. When you usually get to hear about uh, on a June day, Stanton striking out three times. It's, it's just a different world in, in this uh, pandemic world. So, we want to talk about just keep going with the Houston stuff and you go from national, you go to local, that difference is there just, we know the difference about how you got to talk about a whole world thing. Let's say today you're talking about the NHL. They announced that phase three is opening on July 10th versus a Houston story. So when you run out of that Houston stuff and that local radio, maybe you have, have you started to go into that national stuff? Maybe. Yeah, definitely. So what's great about Houston is there's a lot of transplants in town here. A lot of people from the East coast, a lot of people from Chicago. So, you know, 
if you're going to listen to ESPN 97.5, you're going to hear most of the conversation about Houston related, but general NFL plays well in any market. Like people are interested in just football. Like you could be talking about anything NFL related and your listeners going to care. That's what the NFL does better than any other league. It is not a regionalized baseball's become regionalized and nobody cares about the Pittsburgh Pirates playing the Milwaukee Brewers on a Tuesday night. However, if you're talking about football and you get the Packers playing the Steelers on a Thursday night, that's one of the best games you're going to get all year, right? So it's just two totally different type of sports. So, you know, in local radio, you do definitely touch on some national topics. And you guys have heard that listening to the fan or ESPN New York. They're going to talk about things that are happening, but it's going to be hyper-localized at times as well. That balance on SB Nation radio is where, you know, I don't, I, maybe I localize it from my personal experience talking about what I'm dealing with in Houston. But for the most part, it's, it's looking at a topic through a national lens. So that you just kind of balance the different storylines and how it fits. And I do way more national radio because that's a five day a week daily show than I do local radio. But the times I've been able to fill in, it's been some national stories. It's been a lot of Houston stories. So it kind of just depends on the given day that I'm on either station. So speaking of those Houston stories, and more specifically, the characters that make those sports teams run, who are some of the people in Houston that you like covering the most and have the most fun with? Even a big name or a name that maybe not many people on the national stage think of too often. Who are some of the people who you've built a really great relationship with over the past few years? Are you either of you guys Nick fans? Hmm? He is. I am. So I was so upset when Carmelo Anthony was here and it didn't work out because I have a relationship with Melo that goes back a couple of years ago really? when he was opening a gym in New York City, a Lifetime Sky. And I worked for a company called Ultimate Hoops, which is through Lifetime Fitness. So I got to go there and I was doing some media stuff for them. I got to interview Carmelo. And, you know, it was a great interview. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was going into my junior year or senior year. I think it was senior year of college. But it was like a huge thrill to talk to Melo as a big Knicks fan. And he remembered me when he got to the Rockets. So I had a real relationship with Melo. So when he got cut, I was, I was upset about that. But it, honestly, all the athletes are great here. They're super nice. Um, I, I, I love J.J. Watt. I think he's a genuinely good dude. Like, there's a lot on his plate. He's as famous as any athlete in the town. He's, 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 a, he's an actual god in Houston for obvious reasons, for all he's done, you know, raising money and, and just being a, you know, one of the all-time great football players ever, of course. But you know, I, I'm a big J.J. Watt guy. I was a huge DeAndre Hopkins fan. I always loved, you know, interviewing him. He actually was kind enough to do the radio show I did in Miami from Radio Row with mm. Cody Stutes and myself. We went up to him. He was there to do an interview on the NFL Network. We saw he was with his, uh, his handler and his mom, and he was promoting a, a film that's being made about his mom's life. So that's why he was doing this interview. And I said, hey, DeAndre, it's us. He recognized me. I, and I told the handler, I'm like, we're the only station here from Houston. Like, DeAndre's got to come on. Like, he's got to – He's got to come on, and he and he, he did it for us because he knew us because we were local. So you try and build up those relationships with players because maybe down the line it will help you out. So Hopkins was great. I'm upset that he's no longer on the team. I love I love Whitney Merciless on the Texans, yeah. as good of a guy as you're going to find. And then let me give you an Astro. George Springer's great. He's a Connecticut guy, so you guys probably like him. Yeah. UConn. Um, so Springer's really cool. Honestly, I like Bregman a lot too. I just think like he was a rookie when the cheating scandal happened. So I don't kill him like you kill the other guys on the team. I think Bregman is a, is a good guy at heart. I really do. But um, it's kind of tough with the Astros right now, right? Nobody wants to hear me like praise how yeah. good of a guy they are. But there are some really good dudes on that team. Garrett Cole was awesome. So I'm, I'm glad as a Yankee fan, he's now pitching for my team. I loved watching his starts and you know how he would talk about pitching afterwards. I mean, he's like a mad scientist. So those are some of the athletes that I had a chance to cover the last two years that I've had a unique experience getting a chance to know a little bit. All right, I got one more question, then we're going to ask the question that we asked to all of our guests. 
So it's an easy one, hopefully. So you're a Yankees fan, you're a New York guy, and then you go to Houston, the technical rival town of New York now, then Boston. Is it tough keeping your bias out of your commentary? You know, I think it depends. Uh, you know, when I'm doing local radio, I, I, I'm I not like in your face. I'm a Yankee fan. But when I'm on SB Nation radio, I could be way like I'm, I'm myself. I could be like I'm like I'm a native New Yorker. Like, yeah, like the Yankees. Like, I, so I don't hide that to a national audience. Locally, I wouldn't say I hide it, but I maybe word things differently because I don't want to alienate, you know, a Houston fan base that's going to like shill for their team, which I understand. Every team would every team city would do the same thing. But no, I mean, I try to be, I try to be the same person. Like maybe I tinker with wording or not as tough, but I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. I think you just try to see all points of view. And you know what, if you disagree with my opinion on something, that's fine. That you don't have to agree, but like my job as a talk show host is to give an opinion and elicit a reaction out of you. So if I gave an opinion and no one responded to it, no one texted in, no one called in, I I don't think I'm really doing a good job. I want to get audience interaction. So I think you got to be yourself. Now, am I going to like, call the Astros with cheating scrolls and like be over the top with it on local radio. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll be honest with you guys. Well, on national radio, yeah, there's been some times where I've ranted about the Astros and I have, I've gone off about them. So you got to know your audience. That's the biggest thing. So the question that we ask all of our guests is just one piece of advice or one thing that we should work on as aspiring broadcasters to be in the industry. You guys are doing it, man. You guys are getting reps. That's the biggest thing. You know, you guys are doing a zoom podcast. You know, you guys are, you know, knowing you guys are focused, you ask great questions. So you guys are doing it. You know, you guys have put the time in and just keep going. I, I was nowhere near a finished product when I was coming out of high school, or I was nowhere near a finished product even coming out of college, and I'm still not. So you get better every day with reps and experience and just and just going out there and just creating content. I, th- I think it's never been easier now to be able to just do what we're doing now, right? Start a podcast and just talk. And I think that's that experience is so valuable. Now, it's, it's probably never been harder to break in because there's just, you know, so many people trying to do it. But if you're serious about it, if you're passionate about it and you work hard, you're going you're gonna to figure it out and enjoy life as you go along. I, I wish I maybe, you know, took a step back every once in a while and appreciated some of the things I've been, you know, fortunate enough to accomplish. So you guys are doing everything right, man. You guys are still in high school. One of you, I know, Dylan, you're going into college next year. Ian, you got another year left. So, you know, you guys are on the right track. Keep going. And you guys are going to have a ton of success. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been episode 21 of the Beyond the Whistle podcast with Jake Asman, Dylan Pascatore, and Ian Nicholas. Thank you all for watching.